a series called the Proverbs. So today, it's about temper and patience. We're going to learn this specific topic from the book of Proverbs. Let's just pray. Where you are, you can just say a prayer for yourself. Ask God to prepare your hearts and also pray for Pastor Kevin. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you for this time that God, we can come and to be tutored by you, to be taught by you. Holy Spirit, come and teach us through your servant here. Minister to us, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirit ready to hear from you. I pray for Pastor Kevin also, that God, you anoint him as he share again, that God, you grant him your strength and your anointing to make your word clear, to challenge us, to, to seek to know you, to seek to apply your word into our lives here. We thank you, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good afternoon. Afternoon, just on time. Okay, as we, uh, Pastor Chiming said, we are continuing on the book of Proverbs. And Elder Shing started this two weeks ago by reminding us, what did he remind us? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So as we come to this book to learn wisdom, uh, the the starting point is that we have an attitude of revering and following what God says and His ways. And this is the tone of how we should look at all the others. All the other subjects that we're going to cover so that we will be guided in how we can follow after God's ways, uh, fearing Him. So we are on our third session this week, and actually you should be getting, look at your neighbour, is your neighbour getting wiser and wiser as we go along? It's already two weeks. By the end of this series, we'll be very wise because we have learned uh, from God's wisdom. But we also remember what it says in James 1, that we not only have to listen to God's word, we must do what it says. Otherwise, we are only fooling ourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Yeah. Okay, back to today's lesson on temper and patience. Or the other way to say is that today we want to learn how to handle your anger with godly wisdom. Okay? So very simply, we're going to look at, we're going to review, we're going to handle it with godly wisdom. We need to know firstly what is God's wisdom on the subject of anger, right? So we're going to review that. Secondly, we're going to try to understand our anger better. Yeah? And thirdly, we'll talk about how to handle our anger in the right way. So, there are many, many proverbs on anger, right? And we're going to read this together. Uh, so, let's see what the Word of God says. Let's read it together. One, two, three. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. A 
An angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man gently holds it back. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. So as we said, Proverbs and God's Word is trying to teach us how to be wise. So in this respect of anger, what do we do that makes us wise in God's eyes? And what do we do that is actually foolish in God's sight? So, let's look at it. Let's summarize what we've learned from all those problems just now because it's a bit hard to remember there's so many. But what did God's Word say? God's Word says, firstly, it is quick-tempered, to be quick-tempered is foolish. On the other hand, the wise are slow to anger. Hot-tempered are foolish. But to be wise is to be even-tempered. The foolish, when they're hot-tempered, can commit many sins. But the wise overlook an offence. The foolish and hot-tempered say harsh words. But the wise give a gentle answer, are restrained in their words and hold back. The hot-tempered stirs up conflict and strife, but the wise calms a quarrel and turns away anger. And it also adds that the hot-tempered end up being cruel, right? And overwhelming to people. And just in case we haven't got a sense yet, there are a few proverbs we also tell us quite clearly that whoever is slow to anger is better. Right? And actually gives us advice to say, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. And a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. So we know where the Word of God is going on this whole area of temper and anger. But then, Wow, does it mean it is wrong to be angry? Okay, the quick answer is we cannot expect not to get angry. Being angry is a legitimate emotion and feeling that God has given us in circumstances, in certain circumstances and for certain purposes. Right? So being angry is not a sin. But how we are angry and what we do when we are angry that can either lead us to being wise or foolish. We can be God-fearing or not, righteous or sinful. And we look at the example of God, right? God was angry if we read the Bible. God was angry because, you know, He punished, He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. He punished various groups of enemies of Israel. And even the Israelites who were disobedient, God punished them. And if we look at Jesus in the temple, for example, right? 
when he saw the money changers and all those people selling stuff who were not supposed to be selling things in the temple, he got very upset with them and overthrew the tables, right? And told them that this is not the purpose for this court. This is actually a house of, meant to be a house of prayer for God, right? So we see God and Jesus exhibiting anger. But when God was angry, he was justifiably angry. Because it says in the Bible, God is angry against godlessness and wickedness. And it also says that God, in fact, God says this about himself. He says, I'm slow to anger and abounding in mercy. So if you see all the people that got punished by God, actually God already waited years, sometimes centuries, and warned them multiple times, but yet they didn't change their ways. And finally, God in his anger, inflicted punishment on them. The Bible also tells us God's anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Isn't that good? And if we look beyond Proverbs to the rest of Scripture to see what other wisdom it teaches us about anger, let's look at this and let's read this together again. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now that we have heard the word of God and seen also the example of God, let's, let's put it all together, okay? To guide us, how do we handle, handle our anger righteously? And how do we ensure that our anger doesn't lead to sin? So the first thing about righteous anger is that it has a valid reason. Right? Now, example, when you watch some movies, right? And you see a Chinese movie, okay? Very often, right? In the old, old China, they show you all the soldiers coming in, uh, raiding this village, right? Beating people up for no reason, uh, punishing them cruelly, uh, killing them, uh, you know, and all these things being pushed around, we get angry. When we watch that, we get angry, even though it doesn't involve us, right? And we love it when the hero comes, who's angry at the situation, and the hero comes and rescues the situation, and rescues the oppressed, and delivers them from these unjust people. So, in this pure form, Anger is love that seeks to take action to right a wrong and to correct evil. That is the justifiable reason for anger. So anger must have a valid reason to be righteous. But even when there's a valid reason, how are we to respond in our anger? From God's word, we can see that 
the right responses all tend to be very controlled. Right? God says to overlook an offence. He says to be slow to anger. And actually that shouldn't surprise us because our God is actually a loving and merciful God. And we are to follow His example. As we read earlier, it says, Be kind and compassionate, forgiving just as Christ forgave you. And 1 Peter tells us, It is commendable if somebody bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. This is commendable before God. But in contrast, anger that sins responds very inappropriately even when there's a valid reason for the anger. It could be, for instance, disproportionately furious. You know, you give full vent to your rage over a small thing. Or you, tend, or you can attack the person rather than the problem. It shows itself by cursing, by slandering, by brawling, either verbally or even physically. So obviously, this is not where our anger should bring us. So righteous anger has a valid reason. It has a controlled and appropriate response. And finally, in His wisdom, God teaches us that anger must be resolved for good. Otherwise, it can. If it's unresolved, it results in bitterness and grudges. And that can lead to more sins down the road. So let me summarize that. How do we handle our anger in the right way? Let me give you three keys to handling anger in a godly way and provide some examples. The first is we reflect before we respond. And secondly, we restrain our response. And finally, we release our anger. So reflect before responding. I'm sure we have all heard this before, right? Uh, like the President Theodore Roosevelt said, he gave this advice. He says, when you are angry, count to 10 before you speak. And if you're very angry, count to 100. Yeah. So that, what's that telling us? It's telling us that we must pause, right? Before we react, we must pause. Because it gives us time to cool down it arrests any knee-jerk action that we might want to take and it ensures that the situation is not escalated. And you have time to ask yourself, why am I angry? Am I angry for the right reason? So we heed the word of God which says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. For example, you could face, you'd be facing a situation like this, right? Uh, your spouse, uh, you, you ask your spouse uh, to do something, let's say, you know, uh, print the bank statement for you and give it to you the next morning, right? Because you need to submit it for some document. But lo and behold, you wake up in the morning and the bank statement is not there, right? So in your mind, you're thinking, wow, just ignore what my request, you know? Just disregard what I say. You know, don't even show me any respect. But then you ask, you know, where is the bank statement? 
Then your spouse tells you, oh, yeah, I tried to do it last night, but the bank system was down because I couldn't do it. So when you hear the reason, you're thankful that you didn't go on and on about it or berate your, your spouse, etc., because they would have started a quarrel that was really not justified. So we heed the word of James 1.19. It says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Secondly, we restrain our response. The Proverbs actually gives us much advice on controlling our anger. Proverbs 19 says, it is to one's glory to overlook an offence. And really, this is something that we must ask God to teach us, right? How to overlook especially minor issues that are really not worth pursuing. Issues that will actually sort out themselves over time. Another way to control our response is to be restrained in our words. There are two proverbs there which talks about having a gentle answer and also not basically not talking too much. Right? Because the more we talk, the more we can get into arguments. Recently, a couple shared with me right, uh, that they got into a serious argument, actually over a very minor thing. Right? They were going out and then they were, one just asked, you know, which way should we go? Right? But because he got an irritated answer from the other side and then there was more questioning, you know, why are you angry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, you know, what's wrong with me asking you this thing? and uh, raised voices, and suddenly it, it became a big argument over just a small issue. And they said hurtful things to one another, and they hurt one another in the process, so badly that each one has to go to a parent's house to sleep for the night. Yeah. So a small little thing, right? Just because we didn't uh, restrain our words or restrain the tone of our voice can erupt things into, erupt anger into something that blows up. So we heed the advice of these proverbs. Another way to restrain our response is to stay focused on the issue. Don't attack the person. And this is especially difficult when the other person says something very hurtful to us. Right? I want to share this illustration that I heard from Tim Keller about a parent and a teenager. Although I know that uh, to a lot of you it may not be applicable or not applicable yet, but for those of you uh, who are coming up with teenagers, maybe it's good to take note for the future. Okay, so, you know, as parents, we uh, give a lot of sacrifice to our, sacrifice a lot for our children, basically, right? Uh, we sacrifice our time, we sacrifice our sleep, our whole world revolves around the children. Their schedule becomes our schedule, you know, we give up uh, meeting with our friends, we give up our interests, uh, so that we can meet their needs. But one day, your teenager might turn around to you, you know, uh, and you have to, have to do something to stop him or her from doing something stupid and destructive, like teenagers are apt to do. Yeah? And because of that, he turns around, he turns on you and he says, you know, you're ruining my life. You don't understand what kids do nowadays, you know. You're, you, you don't love me. You don't do stuff for me, you know. You don't care about how I feel, you know. And I hate you. 
So if you're a parent faced with that, it can really hurt quite deep, right? So when that happens, there's a big test for us because you are feeling the anger welling up in you. And there are three possible responses you can take. Number one is you can withdraw because it hurts too much. Uh, you can resign yourself to the fact and say, you know, okay, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Right? And you can give up on the kid. Or secondly, you can give it back to them. Give it back to them as, as they're giving it to you. Right? Hurt them back. Say angry things at them. Right? Uh, berate them. Give full vent to your rage. Right? Knock them down. But that doesn't help. Because while you look like you're winning the argument, you're actually losing the child. Huh? And you're losing the child, unfortunately, to evil. Yeah? So if withdrawal doesn't work, giving it back to them doesn't work, then how do we keep focus on the issue? Right? Keep, keeping focus on the issue means that, unfortunately, we have to absorb the anger that is coming at us right? and not hit back. Again, try to explain gently, you know, what's the reason for me stopping you doing this, you know. Uh, you're angry, I know, but this is the way, you know. you understand it better next time, whatever it is. But you stay focused on the issue and you absorb the anger and you don't hit back. So that's how we make sure that we restrain our response in such a circumstance. Finally, release your anger. God, in His wisdom, tells us this in Ephesians. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So that's a very nice picture of telling us that if we're angry, before we go to bed, we need to resolve this with whoever it is that made us angry. And you know what else it goes on to say in the same verse? It continues by saying, and do not give the devil a foothold. Right? So that's quite interesting. But maybe I can illustrate that by sharing with you two stories. The first story is something that Benny Ho shared in his book, short book on handling anger. And he was talking about Leonardo da Vinci, whom I'm sure we know, the famous artist uh, and uh, sculptor. So Leonardo da Vinci was working on painting The Last Supper, which I, I think, again, some of us are familiar with the painting, right? And he became angry with a certain man. And he quarreled bitterly with the man. And he ended with harsh words and bad feelings. After the quarrel, Leonardo went back to his workshop and he tried to paint the face of Jesus on the canvas. But he found he just couldn't paint the face of Jesus. So finally, he put out his tools. He went to look for the man and sought the man's forgiveness. The man accepted his apology, there was reconciliation, and then Leonardo was able to return to his painting, and then he was able to continue and complete painting the face of Jesus. So what this tells us is that it's very difficult to hold anger against someone and still, you know, glorify God, worship God. Another story closer to home is somebody, a church member who shared with me, with me recently. Actually, in December, she says she was very offended 
by somebody else in church. And it affected her so much that actually she didn't feel like coming to church. And she couldn't pray and she had to take a break from her ministry that she was doing. But thank God, through sharing with somebody and a timely sharing of God's Word, and because she was open to God's Spirit leading, she was able to release the anger to God. And she went to the person and, you know, and shared with the person the hurt and asked and said that, you know, forgive the person. The person doesn't even know that she, she's been, she was the one that offended her. Right? And with that, then she feels restored to fellowship and restored to, you know, be able to come back to church. So we can see how important it is that we release our anger yeah? and resolve quarrels before we sleep, like the wisdom of God's Word says. Because if we don't, we see that actually it allows the root of bitterness to take place and that can be used by the devil to mess up our lives. Okay, I want to share with you another story about temper and patience. When uh, Pastor Kofai gave me this topic, uh, I told my wife jokingly, that's a story about us, temper and patience. So I'll leave you to guess who is temper and who is patience. <laughs> okay, uh, well, when temper and patience first got married, okay, that's when patience discovered that temper flies off the handle very easily. When angry, temper will go on and on about something. Yeah? And temper is very eloquent in the argument. Temper has a very good memory also. Remember all the things that are relevant to making her case. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, his, uh, I mean, uh, one's case. Okay? <laughs> and so patience could not compete. You know, patience could not keep up with this, right? So patience bore the brunt of the frequent outbursts. But to be fair, it was patience actually who irritated temper many times because of his forgetfulness, his untidiness, his procrastination, you know. And that's why some of these arguments erupted, right? But after a while, patience felt it's very unfair. How come I have to be the tolerant one in this relationship? When it comes to your flaws, I'm more tolerant. But when I make mistakes, you blow up at me all the time. So patience said, I want to get angry more easily. Right? I want to let temper know how it feels when you have a short fuse and you blow up and somebody blows up on you. So maybe you will blow up less. But unfortunately, patience found that didn't work. So patience was having a really tough time dealing with his emotions. And the first two years of marriage or so, was miserable and there were times when patients wanted to get out of the marriage. At the same time, Temper was also unhappy that, you know, couldn't control anger and Temper didn't like that about uh, <laughs> herself. <laughs> Okay, I wasn't, it wasn't just in the marriage, yeah? It was sometimes at work, uh, get into trouble because of a short fuse. Uh, she tried hard to change, <clears throat> right? She prayed about it, 
She read God's word, but she still struggled. And despite her best effort, she continued to lose the temper easily. And she began to lose trust even in God because, God, I've prayed to you about this thing so many times. Why is there no change in my life? Right? So, sorry, I gave it away. <laughs> but my wife has kindly agreed for me to share this story, actually. Yeah? And I qualify that it is not because I'm a better person, okay? But it's just in this area of temper, I have a tendency to manage better, maybe because of my personality type or something. But other areas, she is more holy and righteous than me. Okay? But what are the lessons? But, but thankfully, okay, so, so there were the struggles encountered by patience and temper in the early years of their marriage. But thank God, patience and temper have been married for 29 years now. And it's a very good and blessed marriage relationship that they have. Okay, so we thank God for His grace. But I wanted to share with you some lessons that temper and patience learned along the way. And maybe it might be useful for some of you. So let's start with patience. Patience actually secretly envied, you know, the people who are hot-tempered, right? Because he says, in the, if I, I explain to you about the marriage, but even in the office, look at all those people who've got a short fuse, right? The other managers, when they say something, everybody listens. People give them the stuff that they ask for fast, right? Nobody messes with them. So it pays, it looks like it pays to be nasty, you know? It doesn't pay to be nice at all. So, unfortunately, this lie gets sown into the life of patience. And maybe some of you are like that and you can relate to that. Right? You look around and everybody else is blowing up more than you, right? And you say, no, that doesn't seem to be. I need to step up my anger, you know, uh, to get even and get you know, equal, match the rest, right? But unfortunately, there's a deception, right? The deception of unfairness. And actually, patience started off well, right? Patience was actually following the words of God and wisdom. But then the lies that the evil one started to sow into the lives of patience. He says, you are at a disadvantage. People are taking advantage of you, right? You don't want to be treated unfairly like this. Let, you know, follow the rest who are more hot-tempered and you'll be better off. So we must pray, we must beware of the lies. If you are in this situation, you must beware of the lies that the evil one wants to put into your life, right? And continue in God's truth because they are the solution and blessing for your life. Because God says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And also do not repay evil for evil, but repay evil with a blessing. And that way, you may obtain a blessing. So you are already on the blessed path. Don't let the evil one swing you. You are already on the wise path. Don't let the evil one swing you to be foolish instead in this area of anger. And you know, as you submit to God's will, you find that God actually gives you wisdom on how to be assertive, for instance. right? How to focus on the issue, how to deal with the subject without having to be nasty. And you can still get your stuff on time. And people still respect you. you know? 
and as you continue to choose God's wisdom, He will show you if you're in a negotiating situation, how can you be a principled negotiator without having to be deceptive, you know, without having to uh, you know, go down very hard on people and still get a good deal. So God will give you this and God will still give you favour and blessing as you choose to observe His ways. Okay, maybe some of you can relate to that, but maybe the rest, you relate more to uh, Mr. or Miss Temper, right? And you admit that you are hot-tempered, you can be hot-tempered a bit, okay? And maybe you've tried your best to change, and you're struggling with that, and you don't like yourself. So situations like, you know, for instance, uh, some of you maybe would, could be, you know, uh, in the office, uh, people irritate you very easily. You blow at them. Right? If you're a manager, your staff don't really like you. Uh, maybe your staff are leaving. Right? And it's all because you, know, you, you are someone who cannot control your temper so well. So, the unfortunate part about this is that, you know, we talked about just now, for instance, the three R's. Reflect before responding, restrain, you know, release your anger. And you've tried that, but it doesn't work, okay? Because the unfortunate truth is, self-control is not enough. Okay? Even if you have the Word of God, and say, I will will myself to follow the Word of God diligently, it is still not enough sometimes, right? Because you cannot overcome the barriers uh, you know, and, and when the situation comes, you just blow up. There's no time to think, right? So self-control is not sufficient. But thank God, He's provided, right? He's provided, and that's why our Lord Jesus Christ had to come. Because we humanly cannot deal with the things that we try to that we want to deal with, right? You know, as, as, as Romans says, the things we want to do, we don't do. The things we don't want to do, we do. And that's the story of our lives, not just with anger. And God knows that man cannot do it by himself, right? So he had to come in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, and not only to pay the penalty for our sins, but also so that sin would no longer have a hold on us. So that we could be delivered from the power of sin. In John, Jesus says, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So our only solution is to go to God. And He has done the work for us. And not only did He die on the cross. He also gave us the Holy Spirit. And it says here, the Holy Spirit will make us more and more like Him. He has given us the Holy Spirit in our life that will empower us. The Bible tells us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to raise us into the new life, the new life that He has for us. 
that we can be dead to sin and alive to God, that He has made us a new creation. He has made us a new man with a new start. So what is our part? Our part really is to come to God, right? And to acknowledge that we cannot do this by our own good efforts. And we need to receive and confess and receive and invite Him to the situation, surrender that to Him and say, Lord, I know I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need your help, right? And I'm happy to say, as we continue the story of temper and patience, temper has found that, you know, as she turned to God in desperation, right, and continued to rely on God, God's wisdom has helped her to slowly change her mind and slowly change her heart. And now, you know, at the heart level, she knows that to be hot-tempered is really foolish, right? To be hot-tempered is not to be a good witness for God. And that controls her, right? Because the more she has brought the problem to God, the more God has God's glory and God's life has come into her. Right? It's not an overnight thing. But the more we submit to God and we remember that God is a God of love, that when we stumble and we go back to Him, He's there again to, to lift us up. And He is be the one that will carry us through this issue. So we persevere, persevere in our trust. Persevere not by trying, to do stuff, but we persevere in our trusting God for His grace to help us change our lives. And that gives victory. Okay, there's one group of people with temper that I want to address also. So, uh, the, so far, the, the, tem the people with temper I talk about are people who, who acknowledge that they have a problem. And they want to change, but they can't. But I think there's a small group of people who maybe don't know that they have a problem. Right? Don't, and they don't really want to change. They don't see a need to change. But you know what? The people around them all want them to change. <laughs> Dying for them to change. right? So for these people, you know, I think it's good to, to note that sometimes anger, because anger, as God says, has taken the path of foolishness, right? Sometimes our mind is a bit, uh, can go into denial, right? Our will also becomes uh, not that able to address the issue. So what does it look like? You know, uh, people like that could say that, you know, yeah, so I blow up more often than other people, but it's okay. I'm quickly over it. It's fine, you know? I just blow up and I'm over it. It's done. And also, it's a personality thing, right? I mean, I'm not like you, okay? And, you know, venting is good. You don't expect me to bottle it all up, right? The next time, it'll be worse. It's genetic, you know? Or it could be that, you know, you project blame on other people, right? You see, it's not that it's not that I'm, uh, you know, trying to, to blow my, my top all the time, but 
all my staff, they're so, they're idiots. <laughs> you know, they keep giving me this, this stuff. And of course, I ended up scolding them every day, you know. Right? Or for a parent, you know, it's really for this child's good that I need to discipline them so severely because otherwise, how are they going to grow up, you know, uh, walking the right way and you'll go overboard in some of the things that you do. So how do you tell, maybe, if you're one of these people, right? Maybe some questions for, for, for you then to consider. The questions are, do you find others telling you that you are overboard, you know, when you're angry? Do you find yourselves planning to take revenge on other people? You know, for instance, that colleague this, this last week said something bad in front of the boss about me. This week, when he makes a presentation, I'm going to make sure that he has a tough time, right? I'm going to make him look bad in front of the boss. Are you using vulgar language at home? On your spouse, on your kids, or in the office, on your co-workers? Do you throw things around the house when you get frustrated? Or do you beat, spec the wall or something like that, you know? Or even beat yourself up. Have you ever hit your spouse or pushed your spouse in a fit of rage? So let's ask God to search our hearts. Okay, I want us uh, maybe the team to come up, and uh, I just want us to end with a time of prayer. Okay, I think it's as, as we said today, it's no use just knowing what God's wisdom is. Huh? And yes, it is good. We must desire to do what God's word says rather than, you know, just listen to it. But even with that, sometimes our will just doesn't carry us far enough and we need to depend on God. So today, I just want us, if anything has spoken to you uh, regarding these things, I just want us to come before God and again, you know, ask God for His help. Yeah? Uh, so I want to pray for three categories of people, right? Number one, the people who, you know, you admit, okay, I'm a little bit hot-tempered, and yes, you know, I can cause problems in my life sometimes, and I want to get rid of it, but, you know, I struggle with it. So I want to pray along with you. That's the first group. Second group, you know, as I asked those questions just now, you say that, oh, I actually answered yes to some of these questions, you know, and my temper may have gone overboard. So maybe it's, for you, it is that, you know, you ask God to search your heart, right? And see what is it that you need to deal with and that you need to surrender and bring before God before it destroys some relationship that is very important to you. And thirdly, is the patient group, right? We said there might be some of you who as you look around at the people uh, happily blowing up all around you, you feel very unfair, and you want to join the gang. You know, I want to pray for you that you know this you'll not be taken in by this deception, right? But you continue in the path which is wise. Okay? When we just rise. And close our eyes. And can I ask for those of in the first category, those of you who feel, yes, I've got a hot temper. And God, I need your help. I need your help to manage, you know. Whatever I tried so far doesn't seem to be working. I want to come to you, God, before 
you today and I want to surrender that to you. If anybody feels like that, just, you know, just lift up your hand quickly. We can pray with you. Okay? Yeah, we pray with you. Yeah, the second category, you know, say that I may, you realize that I may have a, a temper problem and I may need to change. You know, God, search my heart. How many of you are like that? Just quickly raise your hand. I'm not so sure that I have a temper problem. If it's something I need to change, I want to make it right before God. And the last category, those who are patient, but you know, are tempted to go into being impatient, being hot-tempered. So I pray for us that God will keep us on the right path. Any of us like that, you know, and we want to just say, God, I want to stand firm before you and follow your word. Okay, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and its guidance in our life. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us hope and you have given us the way as we sang just now, Lord, you are the way maker. You have given us an escape route from our human condition. What we cannot do, you can do. So Lord, we want to look to you. Those of us who are having an issue with temper, we want to look to you, God. That Lord, you will give us victory. Lord, we want to lay this into your hands, oh God. We know we need you because we've tried ourselves and it hasn't worked. But thank you, God. We claim your promises that when the sun sets us free, we will be free indeed. And that we are now your children, no longer slaves to sin. We claim your promises over our life, oh God. Help us, Holy Spirit, to change, to be who you want us to be deal with this issue and for those who are feeling that you know we need to be searched I want to pray for you God we pray for those who may have a problem they may not be fully aware and God they are causing grief and maybe destruction to their family or to their workplace I want to pray for these people I know it's not easy to admit but God you have a more blessed path for us. You have a path for us that we can enjoy your blessing and the favour, Lord, from you and from the people around us when we follow your ways. God, we want to step into that path. Search us and help us, Holy Spirit, to come out of this and to walk in your ways. And lastly, for the people who are the patient, more patient types, Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you that you have made us the way you have made us. And God, I want to pray that, Lord, we will stand firm. We will be steadfast, continuing to trust that your word is the right way. And I know that, God, these people will enjoy your favour and your blessing because that's what you said. That your promises are true. You are the promise keeper. And God, I want to pray for these people also. And Father, they will be blessings in their family, in their workplace, wherever you put them, because they are the ones 
who are following after your ways. Thank you, God, for hearing us. And thank you, God, that you are the Redeemer who can redeem any situation. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. When we end with just the chorus of this song, Redeemer, Saviour, Friend. Redeemer, redeem my heart again. Savior, come and shelter me from sin. You're familiar with my weaknesses, devoted to the end. Redeemer, this is our prayer. Let's sing that to him. Redeemer. Redeemer. Redeem my heart again. Savior, come and shelter me from sin. You're familiar with my May the grace and love of God be with you now and forever. Amen.